0: Hello and welcome to the Dumb It Down podcast. I'm your host, Eric Larson, checking in right after the July 4th holiday. Apologies for not dropping an episode last week. We were kind of maintaining a two week cadence, but my fun and frolic got in the way of podcast recording and editing. So bear with me as today, hopefully I've made it up to you in the form of my wonderful guest, Chris Patel. So Chris and I met at NC State. He graduated in 2013, I was 2015. We were both mechanical engineering and he went on to join a FinTech or financial technology company right at a school called SageWorks which was later acquired and relaunched as Abrego. So that's the name of his company. He ended up going back to NC State to get a computer science certificate which was his first love, as you'll hear in the episode, and it was a programmer su- support uh, product manager, and now a director. So he's been all over the place as far as Abrigo goes since graduating college. So really enjoy it talking with Krish. It's not his natural disposition to uh, brag a little bit on a podcast, but I appreciate him doing it. He's had a great career so far. And I was happy to learn about it. Stay tuned to the end on my three biggest takeaways. Enjoy Krish Patel. Mm-hmm. Hello and welcome to the Dumb It Down podcast. I'm your host, Eric Larson. Joined today by my friend Krish Patel, who does not have a Mercedes hat on. It's a Formula yeah. One hat, is that right? <laughs> I've got to clarify, I drive a Toyota, right?
1: So this is me supporting a Formula One team.
0: There we go. What team?
1: He- <laughs> Mercedes. Oh. <laughs> but he's- no, uh, Lewis Hamilton specifically. um I mean, we'll get into it, right? But he's from England and like kind of from where I grew up.
0: So. There we go. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. So I know Chris from college, even though we were didn't have classes together, kind of different years, both mechanical engineers, and then after college and now now. So we've barely met a while. Yeah, Yeah. but he's still in Raleigh and started in England. So yeah, Chris, welcome to the show. Take us back. Give us your story.
1: Yeah, I mean, so moved to um, America in 2004, beginning of high school. Uh, Actually, this is relevant, I guess, but I actually hated school. I did really, really poorly at it. And I got deferred from NC State.
0: Okay, from England yeah. you were okay, and then you moved. Yeah, I was okay different. in
1: England. I was just young, you know. I got here, I started rejecting like the, I don't know. It was just different schooling as well. Like they used, uh you know, math like uh, multiplication, right? You do three dot two, like you know, the dot here means multiplication. Mm-hmm. In England, they don't do that, or they didn't do that. So three times two, mm-hmm. so it's like a really basic like math equation, three times two. But I just didn't get it, and it just, like freaked me out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So um, I had to kind of go back, actually, and take some courses that were like things that I knew just in a different language, almost like, you know, yeah. different uh, grammar or whatever you want to call it. And uh, I anyway, I caught back up in the end. Right. But, um, yeah, I got deferred from NC State. I didn't actually get into the engineering school. Mm-hmm. I uh, applied. I did want to do engin- mechanical engineering. Um, I ended up applying to the business school, met with the dean told uh the dean that i was going to transfer in six months if i get my grades good you know right and um hey i did so i ended up getting into mechanical engineering and then matriculating uh, huh. i think what we do after two years so Huh. yeah i didn't realize that
0: so you started yeah. business
1: yeah i started i actually took m101 what is that m100 that course that like there's like a million people and oh, every yeah. on campus is in there it's like a recruitment event right right and uh yeah so right next to my dorm university towers and um yeah, it was good fun. Honestly, I I, there was a little value in those classes. You know, just getting that taste of business was relevant. And, mm-hmm. um, not that I really wanted, it, I guess, but yeah, it, it worked out. Got done in four Yeah, engineer. I mean, I, you know, mechanical engineering was just from a math and uh, physics standpoint. I think in no, I know in high school I took calculus, um, AP physics, all these different types of courses, and mm-hmm. it was the courses I like enjoyed the most. And uh, did the best at in the AP exams and whatnot. And um, this is actually a really funny story. I hope my parents don't get mad at me. Get mad at me. But I really wanted to do computer science, right? Um, I took a couple of computer science courses and I just loved it. I got A's, like the highest grades. You could like 100 in these courses, right? And um, I went home. I was like, I want to do computer science. And my mom literally immediately says that, where is engineering? Like in that word. Like computer science, you're going to do engineering, and I'm like, okay. So that kind of turned me off it, and then I did mechanical engineering because it was a core engineering discipline, right? Like one of the few that are civil, you know, chemical, all those things. And um, I guess I was good at math and physics too, so I had basically convinced myself that I was going to be a mechanical engineer. (laughs) So
0: interesting. Yeah, I mean, I slightly similar. It's like, oh, it's core, it's general, it's vague, and. Yeah, I wasn't even that excited to do engineering, but
1: yeah, I wasn't like ready for any type of commitment like that. I didn't have a passion outside of computer science, but sure. yeah, to your point, I knew mechanical engineering could kind of send you in different career paths, right? So yeah,
0: yeah, Yeah. fair enough. So you were 2013, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then stayed in Raleigh?
1: Yeah, stayed in Raleigh. Um, Um, I, I, you know, again, my parents are here. Um, We're first generation i'm first generation so it's i think it was important and still is important to me that i stay near my family Mm -hmm. so i've wanted to be in i've never actually ever wanted to move because i feel like we can travel wherever we want (laughs) but there's only one home right so um yeah raleigh and i'll probably stay here forever if i have it my way the house prices don't go too high you know those (laughs) kinds of things
0: (laughs) Luckily, yeah you're locked in a little yeah um yeah as big NC State fan. Were you in high school an NC
1: State fan? Okay. No, I was. That's funny. I was my brother in 10th grade. We, um, I have an older brother, right? He went to Duke. Yep. Um, and as soon as he went to Duke, I became a Duke fan. Yep. Like, Cameron crazy t shirts, all that stuff. Um, just because I was, I think I was just proud of him and they were good at basketball. Okay. You know, so easy to follow. Um, easy to follow. And, uh, no, I just, I don't know. I think I went to college and I think that's when I first felt, um, like American I felt like this is my home right and the reason why I'm so tied to NC State is because it's the first time I ever felt like I was truly accepted you know because in you in college it's like all um so many different types of people you have to like really try you know and uh that was kind of liberating because high school was extremely clicky of course and
0: yeah I think at that point
1: I just fell in love with state and it was just a weird now it's just a weird thing right now I go to every home game have season tickets, have stickers on my cars, <laughs> and I'm just like one of
0: those weirdos. So. <laughs> <laughs> Not weirdos. There's plenty of yeah. those all around the country. But yeah, the yeah. college sports thing is is interesting, and of course, yeah, growing up in Charlotte, I've got kind of that, and the NC State thing going yeah,
1: on. Yeah, the right. pro sports, right? Yeah, I mean, like in 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 England, I'm a big soccer fan. It's it's there's a lot of loyalty to your town, a lot of loyalty to it. right. Like, people don't shift teams, uh, franchises don't move locations. You know, those things don't happen. So, I wanted to find that, and NC State's clearly that. Like, it's just it's just such an English style. Like there's so, so much passion and they don't
0: do anything of value. So <laughs> that's, that's <from laughs> so I love. It. Yeah. yeah. Well, and a lot of people when you go to college kind of feel a sense of belonging, but I think it's nice to hear that that was especially true from you coming out yeah. of high school. So yeah. 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 That's that's pretty much it with NC State. So Nice. So yeah, moving to your career, you didn't get yeah. a mechanical engineer one job out of school. You uh went a kind of different direction so tell me
1: about that yeah i mean as you know 2009 2013 there was clearly like in 2009 these core engineering disciplines were like the ones you want if you wanted to like have a really great career right it's still there's still the case i mean they have it's they have legitimate jobs really good careers but for me i think i started to see um in 2011-12 that computer science as a field is really taking off right and not only is it lucrative but it's something i'm really passionate about Like, you know, you start seeing those stocks, those uh, FANG stocks, like Google, skyrocketing. It all starts around right after the 2008, um, I guess, recession or housing crisis, whatever we want to call it. But so at that point, I was like, wait, this is a real thing. This isn't just a hobby. And I think that's what I want to do. And then combine that with I had these internships that um, I found it really, really difficult to get an internship and to get a valuable internship, not just like a checkbox uh, type thing. And, um, honestly, I just wasn't passionate. Like I did it for two or three summers, some mechanical engineering type thing, energy. I tried energy. I tried, um, your basic solids, you know, I tried to do a research thing with a mm. professor and, uh, I think it was solid mechanics, right? And, um, yeah, I just, there was just no passion. It was a chore. It was just a complete grind for me. And I, um, at that moment I realized, cause again, my brother went to Duke, so, with his feedback and uh, you know duke grads don't do the engineering you know if they get a mechanical engineering degree like the joke is that they will go to investment banking mm. like <laughs> they get the degree for the name you know so he got he got this idea into my head that was like no you can apply anywhere you want just get a high gpa get really good grades and go apply to a tech company and i'm like okay so i did apply to schneider i did the tra- tra- traditional nc state engineering i did the on-site in nashville um, and, uh, but I just, again, I just didn't like it. And I ended up waiting to just get the right fit, um, from a startup. I, when I was looking for a startup and I would do anything. I, so I took a support role, um, in a startup, uh, here in Raleigh and yeah, it's pretty much, and I still work there. So Were they at the <laughs> career fair? do it.
0: Were they at the career fair? Like how'd you even hear about them? Uh,
1: my brother's fraternity brother actually works for nice. work here. And he was the one that like, let me kind of like get the interview Um, but no the career fair all those things were just I was really it was really a struggle Um, I must have done I I set these goals of 50 to 100 depending on the weekend if it's a weekend or weekday um, applications per day you know like I was just applying 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 I only ended up getting like two three on-site interviews and uh, I realized it's like it's not them; it's me. Like I just didn't have a passion. Like my resume. Now looking back on it, my resume was poor. Mm-hmm. My communication skills were poor, mm-hmm. right? And I just expected them to give me a job because I had a great GPA.
0: Interesting. Okay. And so it
1: kind of like luckily enough, it's like full circle in a way that like I'm glad those hiring managers could see that I wasn't passionate if that was what it was. And um, I don't know. It's just one of those things that works out. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's that's really cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, I went through some of that circuit too, and probably many of our listeners have did the Schneider Nashville interview thing yeah. <laughs> Um And yeah, you could kind of fake your way into a job if you're, you know, personable and act happy and all of that, because that's kind of what they're looking for, so along with the GPA. But yeah, yeah. It worked out for you in a different way, I guess. Huh?
1: Yeah, yeah, it did. And then from there, basically, I kind of sold my soul. I think all you, all my other friends, would kind of realize that I was working a lot. i was working like a really long but i i was um you know i was ready for that i mean i i'm like my parents even to this day have like two jobs my mom has two jobs right so i I've, i've kind of i'm from a family of grinders anyway yeah and i was able to put up with that and honestly even when i came home with being like you know oh i just worked 15 hours and i have to go back in another five they're like okay you know so because they're they're doing the same thing so i wouldn't even complain that much and i actually lived at home my first year out of college so they combine all those things i i just kind of set up this idea that i had to have an immense work ethic to do anything and um yeah a little bit toxic i'm, I'm sure but like i ended up in, in the end like it, yeah it worked it, it it did work out the hard work paid off right and i think that's yeah. the moral of the story there so yeah yeah
0: well and of course yeah where you're sitting now is a little different than where you were right out of school Yeah, Uh, so yeah, right, maybe talk through the, initially it was Abrico,
1: is that right? Sageworks. Sageworks. Sageworks, Yeah, high turnover company, by the way, like it was known
0: um, at the time
1: as like, just kind of like a, you have to like, if you go work there, you're going to make it if you work really hard, right? Mm -hmm. But if you're not willing to like, do all, push all those buttons, then yeah, maybe it's not the best cultural fit. Okay. um, in that sense, it really lined up with me and uh, I, I kind of just bought in and I kind of just went for it. So anyway, I started out in the, um, we call it the integration team. At this In 2013, uh, well, my manager um, started this team called integration. The idea of this team is to get data from our customers into our platform and do it as part of their onboarding or
0: implementation process.
1: And the so platform just, as a
0: whole, like the company as a whole, what, what was the purpose?
1: Oh yeah, fair. So the data that we're getting um, is from community financial institutions. So what we do is we work with them to provide them lending services, uh, risk management services, and fraud detection services. Um, All three of these are like uh, surrounded by regulation. Um, The easiest one I could give you is uh, Humda. from a consumer perspective is essentially you have to uh, track and monitor uh, really characteristics of your borrower to make sure you're not being biased in your lending. That is a government requirement. Don't be biased, you know? So yeah. we basically, uh, we, we take that, you know, these community financial institutions are small, you know, their, their profit margins aren't massive. They can't hire teams of software engineers and people or whoever to do this type of work. Yeah. So instead they go to uh, providers or, you know, partners like us, um, Sageworks at the time, to do that for them. So really, I mean, the whole pitch is that these regulations and things keep changing. Um, borrowing is changing. Like if we just look at the pandemic and uh, bank branches, really, people don't go to bank branches anymore. People do it online, right? So they have to modernize or digitize their platform. Okay. Um, and, you know, the bigger banks naturally have a much stronger foot up in this space because the Bank of America, I mean, they hire... A significant number of software engineers nothing oh, themselves. So, yeah 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 so with us it's like well okay you want to do that you know you, you have to do that to stay in business well we have the software to provide you so that was the kind of the product that we were um selling at the time and the, really it was the kind of the beginnings of the product really there wasn't much of a system or process it was very very manual
0: so So yeah, let me make sure I'm following. So if you're a bank, you have this regulation as it pertains to fraud detection.
1: Yeah. Um, So BSA, the bank secrecy act and, um, that regulation states all the requirements or a lot of the requirements that banks are subject to when it comes to, uh, detecting fraud, you know,
0: fraud and what just day-to-day operations.
1: Yeah, fraud in their transactions, fraud fraud in their borrowers, um, helping the government and reporting fraud from uh, bad actors, smugglers, kind of, you know, okay. kind of dealers, just like
0: everything popular, related, everything
1: you know, like terrorism, like all these. But I, you know, we're just putting names on things we know. But there are different types. There's so many different types of fraud. Sure. But um, yeah, so basically that yeah that type of thing is um, there are there are limit. You know, I think when you go to a bank and take out ten thousand dollars or more than that, it flags it like that's like a thing that the government Ten thousand is just a made-up number but it'll flag it and then they have to like do something a process and there's at the end of it all there's like a reports you know as they call one of them is a suspicious activity report that the bank is responsible for filing if they detect a suspicious activity and yeah they have to do this um in order to keep things fair
0: you know gotcha so there used to be someone at the bank who would like manually fill out reports or do spreadsheets or something. Yeah. And do further yeah. So that's off- yeah, that's, their that's
1: the most explainable one. But, uh, you know, going to lending and risk is really the platforms we began with. Okay. Um, a loan origination, facilitating uh, loans. So, customer, sorry, borrowers, prospective borrowers, so that they can get loans from these institutions, automating the decisioning, such as if they hit a certain credit score, maybe it's auto-approved. Okay. Um, administering the loan and then managing the risk of the loan is kind of the, uh, what I would call the lending and risk pillar. Okay. And then furthermore, there's this fraud activity that is about, uh, you know, what we just talked about. And um, that's like another type of administration. Um, that is like kind of what Abrego is today. Okay. Know? So that is, uh we kind of, we want to be the one-stop shop for, you know, the banks you know, and sell them, you know, all this different type of stuff that helps them facilitate these operations and and honestly saves them a lot of time and money. That's the value right. problem.
0: But, yeah. So you're kind of centralizing this for small banks yeah. across the country or world or whatever it is. You
1: know? Yeah. And my specific focus is the data behind all of that.
0: Okay. So, yeah. Okay. So given that hired Sageworks, mm-hmm. you were helping with some of the integration piece. I mean, are you like programming yeah. on a day-to-day basis? What did that look like?
1: Yeah, I mean, I started out not knowing anything, right? I wasn't a coder. Uh, I didn't really know, well, really anything. Like that's the type of people um, SageRex would hire, is uh, I, you know, I guess just hard workers that can figure it out, right? Right. And I think you I just fit that also.
0: Yeah, yeah. Applying yeah. thermodynamics equations, where you?
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. I don't have to memorize anything, which is a blessing, right? Compared to mechanical, like memorizing formulas. But um, yeah, no. I mean, I started out in a support role. It was, an, it was a support role for this, for these, the, you know, the people doing the uh, data from these customers to our platform. So you know, you can do that, but then they might ask for changes, or they might ask for additions, or they might buy more products, mm-hmm. or they might change the system they're giving us data from. This is a recurring daily process, right, for every customer. So all those different types of things is what we consider support at the time. So that's I kind of did these incremental changes. I never did the um, end-to-end projects. But I, I assisted and helped out on these auxiliary activities. Okay. Uh, that's where I started. And over the course of time, I, um, you know, within that year, we had a lead developer here that was um, not only an extremely good software engineer, but also a very good teacher. Took a lot of time with me yeah. and I learned all these different things like SQL, of course, um, okay. with really advanced Excel usage. And then go into like all the way into full stack product development. So that um, was, I, I did my job, and then I spent, like, three hours a day working with this person to, like, help me out, right? And then from there, I, I ended up doing end-to-end projects. I've never been good at talking to customers. Uh, it's kind of a running joke, um, actually. Mm. But back then, like, my very first customer call was, I got, like, yelled off the phone because I wasn't speaking, like, in clear, you know, English. So <laughs> Okay. Yeah, it's really funny. But now, like, now I take the escalations, like, when they're really, really mad and, uh. So, you know, it's, uh, those are the types of things that I look for in my career is like, am I growing in a skill set capacity? You know, people, skills, communication, um, dealing with escalated customers, clients. I think all those things are like relevant to building a really, really strong career. And then I supplemented that with just learning how to code and learning computer science. And I went back to NC State, you know, did did more computer science, ended up being a product manager. And that's kind of how this, how I think my real career really started.
0: okay so what year was that
1: that was i want to say like i did it for like two i did the support and then the project stuff for around two years in 2015 i became a product manager again we were a startup so i was like i will still do the projects but let me do the product on the side so i actually i was doing more and um so my title i guess was product we didn't really do titles and stuff like that but i was also in charge of um pushing the product for So we would use products internally to do these activities, right? And I wanted to improve those products and that just became an interest of mine. Then I worked with the same engineer that I, we were talking about earlier. And I actually gave him like these spec instructions and stuff to here's what I think we should do. And he would just go and do them. And at that point we were able to like cut off like a lot of time from the projects, like a lot of redundant activity, a lot of repetitive steps added our own automations and, and scaled the the operation so that it could support um, well more than like three hundred clients, you know, something like that. So yeah. So that that's uh that was me being a product manager.
0: Okay. And so then when was the NC State degree, the second one?
1: Yeah, so that was when I was a product manager, I, I this I have a I have really strong mentors I, mean, I could not be more thankful for them, right? But that's big. The software engineer was someone I really, really looked up to. This person got an econ degree at NC State and did a master's in computer science, right? And I was like, wait, this is like, this is great. This isn't someone that I, you know, I was always feeling like I made a mistake with mechanical engineering. Like I should have switched. I should have switched. You know, and this person didn't. And it helped. like, instead of having that person that kind of did it for four years and there's not really much to take from that. I I really appreciated having someone that also had the same idea and then kind of went back and did something. So I ended up um, starting the undergraduate courses at NC State. It's called a computer programming certificate. So as you know, with, with engineering at NC State, there's like 50% general education, 50% specialty, right? Having done all this general education with mechanical engineering, I just had to do the specialty. Mm. So I was able to take this program, take all these, you know, courses, I think maybe six, seven of them uh, got this computer programming certificate. Like I said, at the time I was really intent on being a software engineer as a result of this. By the time I was done, I was a manager of the entire department. So I kind of grew out of that. And I now I just use that knowledge to manage software engineers. But sure, um, yeah, maybe in the future, though. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: But so kind of what you were passionate about during that time, why you kept working besides just grinding was like building out this software and platform and. Fixing yeah. those customer support things. On yeah, and all
1: that. Yeah. so with any engineer, I think they need a really strong product person. And the, the product person is responsible for translating business needs into engineering requirements, right? Sure. I, in the course of everything we talked about, I found that to be my niche. Like I can now talk to customers given my experience. I can get what they need. I can, I can hopefully settle down their frustrations, you know, and also then go back to our engineering team and tell them exactly what we need to do to make the customer happy. So that's like my role now, right? It's um, nice. facilitating and, and I, you know, I call myself like a bridge of some sort between the customer and the engineer, right? So, okay. Yeah.
0: And that customer kind of business knowledge and acumen was just learned on the job from sorting yeah. out complaints and talking to mentors and that kind yeah. of stuff.
1: Just, it's just personal experience Year I did over maybe 200 projects with 200 different customers. Okay. Um, you learn a lot, you know, you learn, you just basically have to keep learning. I think that's the biggest piece of advice I like. There's no skill in that anyone has innately that can um do what we you know whatever anyone else does better, but you have to learn. So I just kept like picking, learning, learning, learning. I kept building, building, building. And um yeah, that's that's kind of what I, I, I think I want to keep doing, right? I'm not at the final state of my career. So I okay. wanna keep doing these things and hopefully uh you know get to where I want to go. So yeah. There
0: we go. So now currently, you said you're managing a team. You guys, yeah. SageWorks was bought by Abrigo, which yep. is now something else as well. And Yeah,
1: it's Abrigo now, actually. The the rebranding was the, um, you know, we talked about fraud and we talked about lending and risk. When we, those were, lending and risk was SageWorks, right? Fraud was a different company. Okay. They, in, in the turn of the acquisition, we rebranded, it became Abrigo. Okay. So we've been Abrigo for, I think, almost Five years now, actually. So it's like a fifty-fifty split at this point. Um, but when we became a Brigo, we had uh, obviously investors that helped accelerate our growth. That's kind of the intention of um, well, the acquisition. Our founder exited the business, mm-hmm. um, and at that point, uh, really, I went into management because then it, it was like, okay, now you have a skill and you understand the core culture. Let's let's try and uh, force multiply that. You know, let's try and get other people to think like that as well so that's when I became a manager and then not too I mean you know that is around the beginning of the I mean no it's not it's like a year before the pandemic okay yeah it's right around when I became a manager so I did product management there for like three or four years as well
0: and now same role manager or
1: yeah a director now so um yeah (laughs) yeah uh so senior manager was a short-lived thing I, I did that for like six months it's the same job really okay Um, director is a different, it's a little bit different in that um, I used to take instructions on what to do, right? I still do. You still, you know, listen to our customers and stuff, but now I'm responsible for creating instructions on what to do. So that's kind of the shift. Uh, We added different products. So now we manage, or I manage multiple product lines across implementation, Uh, not just the data thing we talked about, but other things. So yeah, we have a really, really strong team as well that um a lot of tenure, a lot of experience, and um yeah, it's my current role it's around 10 uh, ten
0: ten or eleven people so cool. okay yeah. and now, yeah, you kind of talked about passion and culture and stuff, would you say you're you're happy in your current role yeah,
1: i mean i you know i we talked about it a little bit before the podcast right as long as I'm intrinsically challenged and as long as i'm learning i i tell everyone like you should learn one thing a day even if you have to force it at five p m you gotta learn something, you know and as long as I'm challenged and I'm not forcing that too much like I don't end my days being like, Oh, I didn't learn anything, I didn't grow today. Then yeah, I, I yeah, that's that's pretty much all I look for. And yeah, that is still the case. I think the part of being in a successful company that um has grown factors since I started ten years ago, has gone through acquisitions, continues to facilitate my learning, you know. So I think a little bit of an oddball maybe in our generation, having worked at the same company for ten years, but you know, um the best way I describe it, it's actually been like three different companies. It's luckily, I'm in a safe space where I can express myself, which is even better, and I think that's actually helped my my career progression. so yeah,
0: yeah. Nice, okay. Well, yeah, I mean, before you were kind of touching on some other things around careers and what to look for mm-hmm. and um, you know sometimes I'll ask people I have on kind of where they want to go in the future and yeah. that but I guess before that. Like looking back, you obviously have a little bit of a different career than maybe you set out for.
1: Yeah.
0: Just a couple of the skills you've learned, you mentioned communication, like what are some, some other things that you've learned?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, of course communication. I, I can't explain how bad it was at the start. So definitely communication, but more like hard skills, computer science, like C-sharp, uh, .NET programming, front-end programming, SQL querying, SQL database design, Really the full gauntlet of full stack development, Um, private cloud, public cloud transitions, uh, infrastructure, you know, um, setting up teams in a a way that you can grow, like Agile, like implementing Agile is something I did. Um, Implementing different types of bug try, like moving to Jira, you know, all these different activities that every tech organization kind of needs to do at some point is uh, I think what I've learned, I've learned literally everything that I know Okay. On the job, I think what I'm most proud of is the software, for sure. I think that's, um I don't know. I feel really good when a, when code compiles. You know, that's what I live for. Huh. yeah.
0: That's so funny because yeah, that's different than a lot of others on the podcast yeah. and myself who doesn't even know what any of those mean, but. I mean, I guess you're, you're creating something, you're improving something. That's kind of yeah,
1: great. it's the unknown is what is like my drug, right? The unknown of not knowing what I'm doing. Actually, I work, I prefer companies that are smaller and mid-sized and, and they have growth ideas because mm-hmm. they're going into a frontier and they don't know what they're doing. And I think that is awesome. You know, I wouldn't, I don't, I mean, who knows with the future, right? But I've never considered myself a big company person because I've always wanted to make that connection between the customer and my work. Yeah. And it's not to say you can't get that in big companies. It's just way easier in a small company to do like the full life cycle.
0: So, yeah, I'd agree. You kind of see more, you're asked to do more, but you also yeah. get to do more.
1: Yeah. 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 That's the perspective. That's, I think that's just perspective. You get to do more or you have to do more. Right. <laughs> it's just, you're just training your own mind to take, um, take it in a different way. <laughs> that's a, a lot yeah. of, a lot of stuff like psychology, like tr- learning how to make myself uh, motivated, happy, all those things is, is like the end state of everything. I think I'm more at peace now with everything than I was 10 years ago. I mean, had so much uncertainty in our careers, right? Like when you get out of college, you're like, what am I? Like, I got to make it. I got to make it. I got to make, it. I feel very comfortable and, and that's got nothing to do with the job or the title at or cushy or anything like that. It's just that I feel confident that I've learned enough to scale the skill in the world, you know, and that yeah. it's taught me how to be an adult. You <laughs> so,
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I guess, yeah, you could take a lot of things from work. I mean, the uncertainty of, picking a major and picking a yeah. job and switching jobs and all of that can, can definitely wear you down. But I guess, you know, where you're looking at kind of your personal life too, Chris was recently married, uh, yeah. other things going on, trips uh, staying in, in Raleigh the whole time. But, you know, mm-hmm. would you say it's been like a good work-life balance or you were just grinding and that's fine because you had the time to and the desire to, or what has yeah. that been fluctuating over the last 10 years?
1: It's certainly changed. I, I knew uh, when I started my career is going to be a slog, right? I, I knew that I wasn't at that time going to prioritize like what I want over what I need, you know, like it's just one of those things, where I, I felt very strongly that I had to build a career. Okay, But the one thing is being from England, right? Like, you know, 2013 is different than 2022. Like we had like 10 days BTO business days, so two weeks. Mm-hmm. I definitely like the very first question I asked, which I'm surprised like I didn't get walked out. for. I was like, can I get like more? You know, I was like, I was like, I, I would like to go see my grandma in England every now and then. Yeah, And two weeks is kind of like means I can't do anything else. And uh, being an international person, I was like, I like to travel. Right. So I was able to negotiate more somehow. It, it worked out. They put a lot of trust in me for that. They wouldn't do it like just generically speaking. Like I said, I think I have and had a great manager um, who really supported me through that. that helps, and yeah. Uh, yeah. Like it was a grind. Right. It was like eight to eight. Pretty much every single day. If you're not in before eight, you're pretty much in trouble. If you leave before eight, you're pretty much in trouble. Mm -hmm. And then there's a lot of weekends and stuff like that. But uh, today, you know, we're it's significantly you know, unlimited PTO. For instance, I'm taking my sabbatical in December uh, because I've been here so long now. Mm -hmm. Um, We have a lot of different, like very modern, uh, I guess, tuition reimbursements. You know those kinds of things. And like wellness weeks and whatnot. So when it comes to work life, I think people immediately think of time off, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, you know, speaking of getting married, I think you mentioned that and um, a few other things. Yeah, of course, my priorities change. So in a funny way, I've gotten even more lucky because so the company's priorities and the way they've run has changed along with my life. So I think you're right that if we were working like we were in 2013, maybe my career would look a little different because I don't Mm -hmm. think I would be able to commit that much time to it. Um, but it has matured, you know, this whole system's matured a little bit, grown up. And uh, yeah, it makes me feel very comfortable. So it's that's not, like crazy. I said, as long as the organization grows, it means you're you're going to be fine. If it's stagnant, then, you, you know, you kind of get a gap between reality and expectations and it eventually leads to unhappiness. So,
0: yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah. And that, that timeline worked out pretty well for you. It's yeah. like how the uh, Hornets should draft rookies so that they can, the yeah i
1: mean uh, yeah that's the business it's the golden state as we call it. you know draft them don't like trade or buy them or whatever you know so that's that's the mentality that the team had uh the the company had is, is get the get the like fresh college grads that do show good intent via gpa and whatever else it might be now of course the world has changed now you can't really ask for things like gpa and you have mm-hmm. to be more uh well-rounded than that and i you know, times have changed and the companies change. Again, yet another example of like it kind of growing with me. And yeah. I don't know if I stand for a GPA requirement today, you know what I'm saying? But back then it was just like, okay, normal. Your entry level, you like kinda of take it, right? You're a leader, you're kind of responsible for it. So you think a little differently. And um Yeah, you're right. I mean, that was the business model, and and there were people that sunk or people that swam swam. So sure. it's just kind of how it is. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah yeah no that's cool though and you've kind of gotten to see it grow and you've gotten these different positions and titles and like it sounds like yeah it's, it's, been, a, it's been a good thing for you are there any things that like you regret or you screwed up or something like one-off that you'd be comfortable sharing
1: like my biggest screw up huh like um so with a lot of knowledge comes a lot of power in tech companies like power not like for me like you know, evil genius type of mentality, but like in the sense of you can do things to data, you can manipulate, you can release code, mm. or you can uh, update, you can write queries that delete, update, read, you know, create data, all that stuff. So I accidentally, one time, like, you know, our platform, all this data that we've been talking about, now we have over 2,000, you know, 2,000 customers, right? So with that being said, like all their settings are stored in the database. Sure. And I didn't, <laughs> it's actually really funny. This was a few years ago, but I didn't realize what, um, Database, I was, I was in production, right? Not like sandbox. I ended up deleting like everyone's data mappings, which is like our PII. Like, it's like not a PI, it's a proprietary. That's the work, right? That is the work. And, um, you know, lucky for me, I, I also knew how to restore it. But, okay. but uh, you know, we take database backups and whatnot. But I, that was honestly the most terrified I've ever been in my career. I was like shocked that I still had a job. But um, Yeah, I, I don't know. I think that's like a prime, that's like a really like, functional screw up right like that's like something that people do on the job and yeah hopefully you'll get forgiven for it right then right um but like personally speaking i think like i i i don't i don't i don't know if i call it a screw up but i i'm super patient for things so abrigo as an organization has um really helped like my career you know it's it's been very positive in the sense that the things that they value and the things that i value kind of line up right But in the Sageworks days, I probably did some things like a little too long. Like I did projects for too long of a time. You know, I did uh, product work for maybe too long of a time Mm -hmm. while like allowing that and just doing it because of the kind of, you know, I kind of just wanted to do the work, seeing people kind of go by me, you know, seeing people get promotions and all that kind of led to a little, you know, I was a little bit unsettled, but, um, but then I just learned something new and I learned something that they were doing better than me and, I think the biggest realization was it's, it's always, I think my ego, that anyone's ego gets in the way of real work, you know? So once you put the ego aside, it's not personal, it's not this. And you grow from that and you'd be like, okay, what are, what are they what are they doing better than me? And you take the time to learn. I think that was um, really, really valuable, but yeah, I just spent a lot of time doing the same job bro, and not really complaining and that's,
0: yeah, so,
1: but, but I became, not, ego, most so. part. But yeah. Yeah.
0: No, yeah. I think, I think a lot of people find it's like, okay, someone slides in your LinkedIn DMs that you can make more doing something similar somewhere else. If you jump and yeah, I think, I mean, I've been what four years and three years or something like that. So there's no golden rule, right? Like you get two screwy companies and not, you know, one that's, you're going to grow with. And that's just, yeah, patience is probably undervalued these days.
1: Yeah, probably. I mean, I'm, I'm a, like, it's kind of a running joke around here. Like, I'm very glass half full when it comes to things, like, in general, like, especially work things. i always try and put a positive spin on it. It's not really for anyone, but it's how I get through whatever the negative sure. is, right? But with that in mind, I, yeah, I've always just kind of, like, tried to stick to the mentality that, hey, even if the company's not doing well, which has not been, like, sunshine and roses for 10 years. I mean, this isn't a layup, right? It's been hard work. Mm-hmm. It's been, we've had tough years. We've had really, really bad years. And we've had really good years, right? Um, and it takes, you have to stick through it. If you want to learn how it is when it's bad, you know? So talk about the economic cycle we're going through right now, you know, it's gonna like, you know, it might get a little rough, you're already seeing layoffs, you're already seeing all these different types of things. And I, I really took the time in those moments to learn how to be like in the event, there is a recession, in the event. There is an economic downturn, sure. um, because I really look at it as like, you still need to know how to operate in a bad environment. Because the environment is inevitable, like you can't control it, right? By, by inherently, so you got to like you got to be able to process all the different outcomes. So even when it was bad, I instead of looking for another job, I just doubled down. I was like, I'm just gonna try even harder because I'm not really um, I don't really give up on things. You know, I play the same video game for like ten years just to beat it. And all those different types of things. So I just kind of just do it. And uh, anyway, uh, long story short, is it it works. Out. I mean, it works out if you stay. It works out if you leave. It's really what you're in it for, you know, if I'm in it for experience, you should probably stay. If you're in it for uh, the outcomes, you should probably find those outcomes, you know, without salary or function or whatever. You know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's probably a good place to stop, but we kind of said before there's the two things, if there's two things you're looking for, the second is pay. And the first is
1: say yeah. growth. Yeah. Growth. Just like if the company's growing, you know, just personal growth though, really personal growth. Doesn't really depend on the company growing. Um, as long as these experiences are new and not redundant it's very very valuable you know if you are in the cycle of like succeeding constantly or even failing constantly you're pretty much not learning that much derivatives right the delta of uh these actions are your what you learn so we're talking yeah
0: (laughs) the math no that's cool and uh another thing we said before was that we don't usually have these conversations uh me and you haven't spent yeah yeah i know yeah. ever um <laughs> and you know if you're if you're looking for mentorship or you're looking to learn from someone a lot of times i think even on podcasts it could be preachy or it could be people that are much older and might have different advice yeah. so i want to thank Chris for coming on despite his natural inclinations of not tooting his horn and uh with people yeah
1: no it's it's been great honestly like i like i said i think it's really valuable to have mentors with like experiences. So you kind of have the known, you know, tracks to go down. I was blessed with my own and if any of your listeners want to reach out I'm there. So
0: there we go. I sometimes I have to tee that up. Chris just offered it offhand. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know how much you're on LinkedIn, but I can include that link. Anything else to share with the listeners? Uh, not really just focus on yourself you know work
1: hard and good things happen it's just whether they happen on day 1 or day 10 or 10 years down the road they as long as your input is great the outcome is the outcome that's something i tell my team it's not what happens it's how you respond so that's my quote <laughs> i like it all right
0: okay so to recap here at the end Again, thanks to Krish for coming on. I think my three biggest takeaways would be number one is just work ethic, working hard. Krish got a little bit of that from his parents and his family, but I think it goes without saying, or we learned, I should say, that he worked his butt off for years and years. I mean, eight to eight being at the office is not something I have personally done before nor want to. And maybe that's why. Haven't been quite as accomplished as Chris yet. So props to him for grinding and maintaining and really getting paid off um, or it paying off with uh, an acquisition and a, and a title change and continued support of them. I'm happy for Chris. Like he said, the company's grown with him a little bit, but there's a reason he was still there. Second one is mentorship. He mentioned a couple of mentors. It keeps coming up. It's just so important. It's hard. It's not someone you can hand select. Chris kind of said he got lucky. I think most people with good mentors would say the same. But to stick with someone and kind of improve your strengths as you're balancing with each other, he kind of said he was the the customer's voice and the other guy was the programming. And they went back and forth on it. I think it's great to have a team like that where it's not just a mentor and a mentee, but two people helping themselves out. One may may be a little bit more experienced. So it sounded like a good setup. And the third one was dealing with uncertainty. You know, there's so much uncertainty when it comes to all of these decisions for education and work. I mean, you could switch jobs every 60 days and that would be probably maximum (laughs) uncertainty because you'd have no idea what you're doing. So to see Krish make it through lots of kind of job changes but also he said people kind of passed him um, and sticking with it, having some patience and his certainty was that he was learning and he was growing despite uncertainty around him, either in the company, in personal life, whatever. um, There's only so much you can do and you can control. One of it's work ethic. And I think Chris made that pretty clear. So those are my three. Would love to hear yours. Thanks again to Chris for coming on and we'll see you soon.